Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. And hello, 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 and welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. I'm your host, Attorney Tim Seckler, and today we're going to be talking about, uh, it's going to be a technical episode talking about elder law stuff. We want to talk about Medicaid mistakes today. So what are the common mistakes that I see in my practice families making when it comes to doing long-term care planning? How can we set you up so that your family doesn't make the mistakes? Uh, This is going to be a bit of a technical episode. We're going to talk about some things I find pretty interesting. I hope you find helpful. I want to say at the outset here that, you know, this is educational. This is informational. I hope it's a little bit entertaining. This is not legal advice. If you have a specific legal problem, you need to contact an attorney. We're here to help you anytime. Again, my name's Tim Seckler. I own the Seckler Law Firm. We are located in Mars. If you haven't heard of us before, uh, we are a law firm wholly dedicated to estate planning, elder elder law issues, and uh, post-death administration work. Our main office is in Mars, but we have uh, several offices across western Pennsylvania. Uh, we help people in a number of counties. And you can reach us anytime at 724-841-1393 or probably more likely check us out at the secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com. On the website, there's all kind of good information for you. Uh, we have, you can access a previous podcast. This uh, show is is aired on the radio on Saturday mornings, but also available anytime on our podcast. Uh, you can check pages and pages of blog articles we've put up on our website before. Uh, you can check out some previously recorded workshops. We've done all kind of good information. We are an education-based law firm. We'd like people to have all the information they feel they need to make good decisions prior to asking them to make those decisions. And, and that's sort of uh, the commitment we're making. Now, today uh, we are talking about some common Medicaid mistakes. And just to, to provide some context to that, um, we are, uh, and I am, uh, long-term care planners, right? So a lot of my uh, clients come to me because we advise people on how to protect assets. We feel strongly that we can help families um, follow the rules. And if if, um, if you know the rules and if you know some of the exceptions of the, to the rules, then there are some some real planning opportunities to be able to protect your assets. And so the way I kind of see my role in this is is to make the rules work for the people that follow the rules, right? And and so um, one of the rules generally is if you go to a long term care. Uh, setting, if you end up needing long-term custodial care in a nursing home and want uh, some help paying for it, you've got to look at Medicaid eligibility, but Medicaid requires you to be broke, right? you got to go broke before they help you pay for care, and, and I'm not okay with my clients going broke. And so we advise clients on, okay, well, that's that's sort of the general idea here, but there's a whole lot of rules, there's a whole lot of exceptions that we can take advantage of uh, to help our clients protect their home, to protect their money. Um, and and that is the issue I, I think my law firm is hired uh, to assist in more than anything else is how do we plan to protect our stuff. Now, sometimes that means we're planning ahead. We use tools like strong strongly worded powers of attorney. We use trusts. We use transfers of assets ahead of time. Uh, sometimes we get involved after a senior 
or I guess it doesn't have to be a senior after someone ends up going into the nursing home uh, and the family reaches out to us to ask, is there anything we can do to save dad's house? Is there anything we can do to save some money for mom now that dad is in the nursing home? And we call those cases sort of nursing home crisis cases because in Pennsylvania, nursing homes cost about eleven grand a month. Some of them in the Pittsburgh region are more than that. And listen, for most families, ten, twelve thousand dollars a month is a financial crisis. And so, uh, let's get our head around the opportunities. Let's get our head around how we can uh, work to protect some assets. Now, uh, a couple of things right off the bat, I want uh, to say. You know, we're talking about Medicaid mistakes. What are the mistakes? And I think uh, one of the mistakes from a pre-planning standpoint, from planning ahead, we don't have somebody in the nursing home yet, but we're concerned about what could happen um, down the road, is you need to have uh, the power of attorney document lined out ahead of time. Okay, now, if in some of the older episodes, I've talked about the power of attorney document, how crucial it is. Uh, if you don't have a power of an attorney and you are an adult, then you more than likely should be getting a power of attorney. But here's the thing. Not all of these documents are drafted the same. Some of the documents are, are drafted from a more conservative standpoint. They're kind of designed to allow the kids to go to the bank. They can leave the lights on. They can handle the bills and all the rest. But they don't have enough muscle in them to be able to transfer assets if we're trying to make uh, some asset protection moves later. And so um, one mistake is having a power of attorney that's not strong enough to allow us to to transfer assets. And often what that boils down to is, does the document have strong gifting language? Uh, there was a change in the power of attorney law back in 2015 that said if you're going to give gifting authority in a power of attorney document, you have to really expressly say what that is. And so um, one of the ways I, I do this, and I feel strongly when my clients are concerned about these issues, is we put very strongly worded unlimited gifting language in the power of attorney so that we have the ability to move assets if we need it. Now, we restrict who's able to receive the assets. Usually family members are the people that are otherwise included in, in the client's will. But we have the legal authority to make moves if we need to make moves. And, and a lot of power of attorney documents that we review miss the opportunity uh, to provide this power. And then later, sometime later, the person goes to the nursing home, the kids approach uh, our law firm to try to help to protect the money, and we don't have the legal authority we need to, to move the assets to make the moves we want to make. So poorly drafted power of attorney documents are um, are one issue. Now, you know, somebody could be driving, listening to this show, and they're thinking, well, wait a minute, I didn't think you could do gifting. I thought there was this thing called the five-year look-back period, and if you try to do gifting, then you're going to blow the whole thing and then, you know, they're going to come, they're going to take your money, they're going to take your house, they're going to lock you up in jail because they've got this thing called the five-year look-back period. And yeah, there is a five-year look-back period, but it's really not that dramatic. Here, Here's the way that it works. Um, and and I, I'll call this mistake number two is misunderstanding the five-year look-back period. Okay. So there is a rule that says you have to be broke to get Medicaid to pay uh, for the nursing home. We don't need to get into specifics this morning, but there's a rule that says generally you have to go broke. And so what some people want to do is they want to give their stuff to their kids or put it into a trust. We usually recommend trusts. Uh, you can find out more about that in our workshops. But if we want to do the transfers, then Medicaid doesn't want you to transfer the assets on a Tuesday and ask for Medicaid to pay the nursing home by the weekend, right? So they don't want you transferring all the money a couple of days before asking for help. They don't want you transferring the assets for five years prior to asking for help. But 
there are some exceptions to this, and there are some ways that even though um, we have the five-year look-back period, there's a lot of times that I will advise clients to go ahead and violate the rule anyhow because we understand what the repercussions are. No, they're not coming and throwing you in jail. What it means is if you transfer assets, then there will be a period of time during which Medicaid's not going to pay for your care. In the way that that works out, it depends how much money you've moved. But what they do is they divide the amount of money you've moved or the real estate that you've moved by the average monthly cost of the nursing home. So let's call it eleven grand. So if you move, say, a house worth $100,000 even and then um, need to apply for Medicaid, they're going to take the amount of the gift and divide it by $11,000 and come up with a number of months during which you're not eligible for Medicaid. And that example would be about nine months. So for the next nine months, Medicaid won't pay the nursing home. So then our job, my job as the elder law planner is to figure out, okay, so we've got a nine-month penalty period. Medicaid's not going to pay the nursing home for the next nine months. How are we going to pay the nursing home for the next months, the next nine months? Uh, and that's really what a lot of our planning is around is understanding that a lot of these Medicaid cases, a lot of the nursing home elder law spend-down cases, when somebody's in a nursing home and we're trying to help the family spend down for Medicaid eligibility— they really become big math problems. You know, we're, we're trying to solve for a certain number. There's a number of ways to do it. You, we divide, we subtract, we, we move the numbers around. But at the end of the day, all of your assets, all of your financial accounts, the value of your house is a math problem. We figure out the math problem. We advise our clients on how to transfer assets. We understand the repercussions of transferring the assets. And ultimately, usually, the result is we can save some money for our clients. All right. Now, I'm not here to make promises. Each case varies. Sometimes certain techniques work. Sometimes other techniques work. Sometimes I'd love to recommend a certain technique, but we don't have the authority to do it because we don't have a gifting power of attorney, which was mistake number one. So all of these cases vary a little bit, but I guess the takeaway here is mistake number two don't freeze. People freeze when dad goes into the nursing home because they hear this thing about the five-year look-back period. They read something on the internet or they talk to their neighbor and everybody says, ah, it's too late. You should have done it five years ago. There's nothing you can do now. And that's just simply not true. There are lots of techniques, lots of tools that elder law attorneys like, like myself, like my law firm, use to help families protect assets even after someone is in the nursing home. Um, another common mistake that uh, families make is, um, and at the risk of sounding a little a little self-serving or selfish here, is not getting the right advice, right? So uh, let me walk through this with you. This is complicated stuff, okay? Um, and sometimes the offer from the nursing home billing office is, oh, we'll apply for Medicaid for you. Or there are these, these people going around now um, that are non-attorney, they're calling themselves Medicaid planners, which, look, we could have a long conversation on that, um, but my opinion is that's that's not a legitimate business. That's a, the unauthorized practice of law, giving this advice. I can't give you advice on how to protect assets from the nursing home without giving you legal advice, so I don't know how those guys do it. Um, but you get into these situations, and it's like, well, they might have a technique or two that they can talk about, but they don't have all the arrows in the quiver because all the arrows in the quiver requires legal advice, right? So you don't go to the nursing home billing office and ask for legal advice. You don't go to non-lawyers and ask for legal advice. You go to an elder law attorney and ask for advice, right? So even if you decide not to work with us, go to somebody that is a certified elder law attorney because you need somebody on your side. 
there's nothing wrong with nursing homes trying to help. And I really believe in my heart of hearts that the people in the nursing homes are trying to help. I don't think they're there to, to, you know, to rape and pillage the bank accounts and all the rest. But I think that some of the people that work in some of the nursing homes really don't get all the rules. They're really not going to tell you to do the same things that we're going to do. And, um, you know, you may not be getting the best information, and, and these are pretty big decisions. You know, if any other creditor, if any other debtor, if any other issue were coming after your family for eleven, twelve, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000 a month, you would probably go see an attorney to see if you could stop that problem, right? But for some reason, families freeze here, uh, and, you know, they want to keep this information private. It's a family matter. Um, you know, there's some level of guilt usually about putting dad into a nursing home in the first place. And so for whatever reason, families don't go get the advice they need. And I can tell you, it costs families tens of thousands of dollars. You know, there's, there's so many times I run into a family and it turns out that we can help them. And, um, if I just had met them six months earlier, we would have saved them another 50,000 bucks, you know? So, at least go get the consultation. Go figure out if, if this type of planning is right for you. Don't just assume that it's not. So um, quick review. Mistake number one, not having a good enough power of attorney. Mistake number two is misunderstanding the five-year look-back period. Mistake number three is working with non-lawyer planners or relying on the billing office of the nursing home or doing it yourself. This is complicated stuff. Look, I am, uh, I'm only a semi-handy guy around the house. I can fix some of the stuff around the house, but I can't fix all the stuff around the house. And I know when I need to call somebody else to get in there and help me fix the thing and um, because it's just too complicated. I don't get it, right? And I can tell you, understanding what I understand about how these Medicaid rules work, there's going to be things you don't even know you don't get. So go out and get the help. Even if it's not with my law firm, go out and get the help. I, I really despise seeing families lose money they don't have to lose. Um, you are listening to the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by my law firm. That is the Seckler Law Firm. We are up in uh, the North Hills in Mars, PA. We have offices across western Pennsylvania here to help you. We do estate planning, wills, and trust, and powers of attorney. We do long-term care planning, Medicaid benefits, VA benefits, trying to help our clients get the care they need without going broke in the process. Uh, we also do post-death administration. You can find out more about us at uh, secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R, lawfirm.com, or call us 724-841-1393. Now, on the website, you'll see uh, some offers to come to one of our live workshops. We're hosting live workshops again. Um, you know, the, the COVID shutdown had us shut down from doing the live events for a long time. We're doing them again. We're having pretty good turnout again. We host them in a big room up in Seven Fields. Uh, and the idea is we spread people out. Everybody's got all the room they need. We have hard plastic tables to get wiped down. We wear face masks. Everything is clean and sanitary. We come in um, and we limit the amount of people that can come into the workshops so that we can keep it that way. Um, Talk for an hour, hour and a half about estate planning, elder law issues, answer your questions. These are free workshops. I, I think, and, and I think most people that come to them find them to be pretty useful. Uh, we talk about documents like wills and trusts and when do people use those and then how do we protect assets from long-term care expenses. And I'll give you my thoughts on all of that if you come and check out the workshop. If you are not in favor of um, coming to an in-person event right now, look, I get it. Um, you will find pre-recorded workshops on my website. So if you go to the workshops tab, you can find 
pre-recorded elder law and estate planning workshops. One of them is the advanced estate planning workshop. Uh, that is all about how to protect your assets ahead of time. There's also a Medicaid workshop, which gives uh, some ideas on how to protect assets, even if you have a loved one in a nursing home. There's also what we're calling the Life and Legacy course. So you're listening to the Life and Legacy show. The Life and Legacy course is a course that I put together to help you start to make estate planning decisions ahead of time. Uh, it is designed for more basic estate planning, young families with kids and that kind of work. Um, I have a young family. We have three little kids. It would be real hard for me to take time off and my wife to take time off, find a sitter for the kids, get to a lawyer's office right now during this pandemic to get a will. But I know that we need a will, right? So the idea is I put together a course that you can watch on your couch um, and, you know, skip a night of Netflix and watch the Life and Legacy course and figure out what you need. So, um, But back to the, back to the technical stuff here, um, we have been talking about elder law mistakes, Medicaid mistakes. And how can you protect your family from making these mistakes? Um, and the next one, and this is a big one, I see families screwing this thing up all the time, is, is I call it the McDonald's mistake. Nothing against McDonald's. Heck, I'd, I'd like to have a quarter pounder as I sit here right now. But I, I tell this story in the workshop, and, and if, you, if you just uh, sort of placate me here for a little bit, imagine that you're in a, uh, in a McDonald's at 7 o'clock in the morning. Right. And you walk in, and, and unless you're driving right now, close your eyes and just imagine you're walking into a McDonald's, and you can smell the coffee, and you smell the hash browns, and you hear all the hustle and the bustle. And over in the corner, you can see the table of the, of the, the little old fellas sitting there, you know, the elderly guys in the corner getting their, their senior discount uh, breakfast or coffee, and they're there since 6 o'clock in the morning. And you know what those guys are talking about all the time? All the time. They're talking about giving their house to their kids. Right. Um, one guy says, hey, my, my attorney told me to put my house in my kid's name. My attorney told me not to. Don't put your house in your kid's name. Your kid's a bum. You know, you, you can almost picture these guys, you know, chuckling with each other and laughing about this. But there's this idea out there that once you hit a certain age, you should give your house to your kids. And, you know, I personally... Look, it can work, but I think it's a pretty risky move. I think it can be a mistake. I've seen it be a mistake for certain families because when you put your house in your kid's name, what do you do? Well, you give up the primary thing that we we try to, to help our, our clients keep, and that is control. You put your house or your money in your kid's name. You have just given up control over that asset. What happens if your kid dies before you? What happens if your kid's disabled? What happens if your kid goes through a divorce? What happens if your kid gets sick? What happens, what happens, what happens? You know, you could go through it all day long. And the problem is people are putting their houses in their kids' names to try to protect it from their potential nursing home issue or some tax issue they don't fully understand. And in doing so, they subject the house to the kids' issue. You know, I've got a couple of clients right now in their 50s going into the nursing home in their 50s. Well, if I've got an 80-year-old client and he puts the house into the kid's name and that kid is in their 50s or 60s, what happens if that kid has a stroke and goes to the nursing home? Now, now we, all we did was subject the house to the kid's issue. And, you know, you can go on and on. So I'm, I'm really not a big fan of this gifting the house to the kid because of, um, because of the risk that you incur. You know, you trade one risk for another one, and usually 
usually it's not a very good deal. The other thing is it's usually a capital gains tax mistake. And, you know, with sparing you the details on that, um, you just end up making a, a, a tax mistake for your kids. And then the third is the five-year look-back period for Medicaid. You know, so you end up giving your house to your kid or, you know, you give, let's just say you had some money. Let's say you gave $50,000 cash or an investment to your kid and then you need the nursing home in the next five years. What are the odds that you get that money back? You know, if you put the house, if you gave your kids $50,000 five years ago, what are the odds they could write you a check this weekend? Heck, if you gave your kids, you know, $200, what are the odds they could give it back to you next Saturday? And, and you know, the concern is, and, and I guess it sort of relates back to the giving up of the control, but look, Medicaid has a five-year look-back period. And if you're trying to protect assets from the nursing home and you transfer the assets to the kids, those kids had better be in a position to give the money back in the next five years, or your relationship had better be strong enough with that kid to get the money back in the next five years. Otherwise, we may be up the creek without a paddle and, and really getting ourselves a, um, a problem for how we're going to get and receive and pay for the long-term care we could potentially need. So I, I, uh, I find the transfer of assets to kids outright to be, a, uh, to be a fairly risky maneuver. Now, we do advise our clients all the time on how to protect assets, but I, I typically err on the side of using a trust rather than outright gifting to the kids because it's possible to transfer assets to a trust without subjecting those assets to the kid's potential divorce or disability or creditor issue. We can avoid making that capital gains tax mistake and importantly, I know where your money is for the next five years. Your kid's not going to lose it to the divorce. So if um, if you needed to get it back, you could make a distribution to your kids. Your kids still love you, and 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 at that point, they could return the money if if you know they were so inclined. Now, it's not set up that they have to return the money. So we got to have a real uh, difficult conversation with you about you know do you really trust your kids and and all the rest, but. If if the idea is you want to protect assets from the nursing home, then uh, then a trust is usually the better way, in my opinion, to go about doing that. If you'd like to learn more about that, um, this is really what our estate planning workshops come down to, is the use of trust to accomplish different goals and different objectives. You know, people ask me all the time, should we use a will or should we use a trust? And I, I think if you asked a half a dozen different lawyers, you get a half a dozen different answers or different rationales for why they're giving you their answer. Here's what it really boils down to for me is we do them both. We do wills. We do trusts. <clears throat> for me, it really boils down to what the client that's sitting in front of me. What do they really want to accomplish? If what they really want to accomplish is protecting their house f from this crazy Medicaid system that we have that makes you go broke if you have Alzheimer's disease, if they really want to protect assets, I happen to believe a trust is an awesome tool to do that. If that's not a concern, look, I've run into people that have, you know, whiz-bang long-term care insurance products or, you know, the, the type of products you can't even buy anymore, but they're in a pretty good position from a long-term care setting. Um, maybe we'll use a will or maybe we will use some other type of a trust. But, you know, it, it, this isn't, this isn't one-stop shopping here. The, the idea is get the education you need to make the decisions on what goals are we trying to accomplish? Then once we understand your goals, then we talk about what tools could potentially help you reach those goals, those, uh, those goals. And so, um, so that's why, you know, I said at the outset of the show, we're an education first law firm, because I don't think it's really possible to take a retiree or a senior and sit them down in an office chair and say, Hey, um, 
you know, who's your executor going to be good? Okay, who gets it? Okay, equal shares to the kids. Yeah, we'll have your wills done in a couple of hours. Look, life's more complicated than that. You know life's more complicated than that. You know this nursing home system is more complicated than that. And uh, be uh, be careful if if whoever you're working with doesn't sit down with you and give you the time to say, well, what if what if this issue pops up or what if that issue pops up? You know, when we're planning with our clients, I think uh, the the my biggest objective is to sit down with them, understand what their goals are, and say, all right, well, here's a family that's worked hard. They followed the rules their whole life. They saved some money when other families were blowing it. This family didn't. They saved the money. They ultimately would like the money to get to their kids when you know when they pass away. If there are some leftovers, we got to get the leftovers to the kids. So, what are the issues that could get in this family's way? What are the reasons? What are the creditor issues? What are the things that could prevent this family from meeting their financial and estate planning goals? And a lot of the time, it really boils down to what happens if they need the nursing home. Because if they need the nursing home, then um, you know it's one hundred and thirty thousand dollars a month. I'm sorry, one hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year. Whoa, I'm glad it's not one hundred and thirty grand a month, but. $130,000 a year is still a pretty healthy chunk of change and um and we need to uh we need to to take steps to protect that money. So, all right, we've done four uh mistakes. One is poorly drafted powers of attorney, one is misunderstanding the 5-year look-back period, one is relying on non-attorney planners, and one is doing this gifting of assets, not using trust, sort of doing the do-yourself model uh and families get themselves uh, into some trouble there. If you'd like to learn more about this, go to the website, secularlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R, lawfirm.com. Remember, folks, the Life and Legacy Show is for your education and entertainment. While we may have some lively legal discussion and talk about legal topics like today's show, nothing in this show should be considered legal advice. Your specific legal problem needs a specific legal solution, and you should talk to a lawyer. If you need help, give us a call anytime or check out the website, secularlawfirm.com. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.